people that's in your house. Praise the Lord, everybody. And, uh, as I was up studying yesterday for our word for today, uh, I began inquiring and seeking God and asking Him, okay, God, what do you want to say to us today? And so He put it to me this way yesterday. He said, I have brought you too far for you to turn back now. That was yesterday. He said, I, you have come too far. Or put it this way, I have brought you too far for you to turn back now. So then I got up this morning uh, and he finished what he was starting on yesterday. He said, I have brought you too far for you to turn back now. Why? I have given you my spirit and my word. Uh -huh. I have brought you too far for you to turn back now because I have given you my spirit and my word. Just let that marinate for a minute. So this morning, we are going to look, we are going to spend time with his spirit and his word. We've already started the time with his spirit, but we're going to go a little bit more deeper or a little bit more specific as to where he wants us to go in both, right? Now, I'm not sure how this is going to come, but I know that he gave it and we're going to just spend time in it. Amen. So first we're going to start in John chapter 16. The gospel according to John. The good news according to God. John. The apostle of love. The beloved. <laughs> As he's been called and referred to. The beloved. He said we are going to spend time with his spirit and his word. In chapter 16 of John. It, verse 5 says this Jesus was at the end he was getting ready to leave his disciples and this is what he was saying to them and he said that saying that same thing to us he says but now I go my way to him that sent me and none of you asketh me whither goeth thou well another translation says but now I am going to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking me where I am going. <laughs> this was him, Jesus talking to his disciples. The ones who were closest with him, the ones who had walked with him, talked with him, seen miracle after miracle. And now Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to leave you fellas. But not one of you are asking me where am I going? But verse 6 says, But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. They were thinking about the wrong thing. They were concerned about Jesus leaving them, not where he was going, and not, more importantly, where he would be leaving. <laughs> All right. All right. 
Then Jesus says in verse number seven, it's in red, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient or best for you that I go away. For if I not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Yes. Verse 8 says, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin or convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness or righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The prince of this world happens to be the devil. That should be a shock description. Because the devil is not going to be judged. The devil is already judged. Meaning that the devil has no way of repenting. Because he's already judged. Yeah. Mm, that's a good stuff. He's already judged. He's not going to be judged. Which means there's no way back for the devil. Mm. Do that in for free. Amen. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. He said, I got more stuff I can tell you, but y'all can't handle the stuff I already gave y'all. Because if you can handle it, you would be asking me where I would be going. But since you didn't even ask that question, I can't give you what else I have for you. He wants to give us more. But we can't handle the little that he gave us. Mm. Mm. People cry out, we want more of you. More of you. More of you. I want more of you, Lord. We can't handle all what he already has given us. Ooh, help me. That's right, help me, Lord. But Jesus is a good, good son, connected to a good father. So he says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into what? All truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. In other words, he ain't going to get caught up in himself. He's going to tell you what he's been told. In other words, he is not going to move in his own strength. Part of the, our problem is we try to move in our own strength and our own power. Not of the things that we've heard. Okay, that's good. Amen. And he will show you the things to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Verse 15 says, All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall what? Show it to God, the Holy Spirit, is our teacher, he's our helper, he's our advocate, and he is our guide. He is our source of true spiritual understanding. He is not goosebumps. 
He is not jumping and shouting all the time, though he can make you jump and shout. Right? He is not all the gifts, though he can give you the gifts, which we'll see in a minute. He is not all of that. He is here for a specific purpose to be our teacher, our helper, our advocate, and our guide, the source of our spiritual understanding. He makes known spiritual truth. Which God means this. He will unwrap the mysteries of God, show them to us, and give them to us in a way that we can understand. The Holy Spirit can go deep, but sometimes he won't go deep, but he'll go deep as you can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Deep as you like. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, Yeah. Mm -hmm. He glorifies Jesus. He don't come on his own accord. He comes pointing the way to Jesus. Some people you can tell our Holy Spirit never because they never point to Jesus. And if you have the Holy Spirit working within you, it will always point you to Jesus. He will always point you to Jesus. Amen. He gives us power to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He fills us as a believer and he pours out God's love in our heart. He enables us to walk in holiness. People back off of holiness because we have fixed it up or had it. The devil has done holiness a disservice and had us to think holiness is something more than what it really is. What is holiness? Is walking according to the word of God, being obedient to God, and doing the things that God tells you to do. And when you do those things, you will walk in holiness. It's not stripping yourself of certain things because if you're walking with the Holy Spirit, those things will burn off anyway without you even noticing it. not the length of your skirt that makes you holy. <laughs> it's the depth of your obedience that makes you holy. He makes intercession for us. In other words, he goes to bed as our advocate for us. He stands in between us and God. Orchestrating on our behalf, being that go between between us and God, and He gives us, He does give us spiritual gifts for ministry, not gifts for our ministry, but gifts for His ministry that points back to Jesus, not to be selling stuff. Only <laughs> that. He strengthens, and not only that, he strengthens our inner being. Because y'all, I get weak sometimes. Do y'all get weak sometimes? This week was one of those weeks when I was feeling myself getting weak. Hmm? I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like you. I am no big eye, and I am no little you. 
I'll live this just like you. Now, as that pastor said, I'm anointed preacher. Sometimes I ain't anointed to live it, though. Amen. It's a different type of anointing. And I say that because I'd be like you. I just feel like just saying, forget it, throw in the towel, right? Shoot. <laughs> I don't need this. <laughs> At least in my mind. I'm tired. But God has anointed us and appointed us. He has called each one of us out of darkness into his marvelous light because he knows that we can handle it as we submit to him. Amen. He strengthens our inner being and he helps us know and understand the truth of God's word. Amen. So that's why we have to live in the spirit, as Galatians said, so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yeah. Amen. So I don't know if it's number one or number two or number three. All I know is the Holy Spirit pointed out this scripture to me. Scripture number two is this. <laughs> Hebrews chapter four. <laughs> so there's no points is what I'm saying. <laughs> Not that there isn't a point. There is no points. You see what I'm saying? Amen. Hebrews chapter 4. Because we're, spend, we're spending time with the Spirit. And we're spending time with the Word. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse number 12. It says this. For the word of God is quick or alive, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart of the innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God discerns that. It's not a collective, it's not a collection. The Bible is not a collection of the words of God. It's not a collection just of the words of God. It's much, much more than that. It's alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. It's sharper yeah. than any two-edged sword. It goes in between stuff. Yeah. In other words, the word of God gets all up in your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about the stuff you even try to hide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Them secrets, because it goes to the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Yeah. It cuts past your mouth and it gets into your heart. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it's living and it's life changing and it's dynamic. As it works in you. The word of God becomes dynamic as you allow the word to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a purifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, will, it becomes dynamic as you allow the word. It's not just an axe. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just going to lop off. It's going to be a scalpel. It's going to be like a surgeon. It's going to be specific as to what it does. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't want a back surgeon working on your foot. 
<laughs> you want your back surgeon to have the expertise to use the knife to be able to get into stuff that your foot <laughs> don't have, right? It's a scalpel. God's word reveals who you are and what you are not. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Revealer. It reveals who you are mm -hmm. and what you are not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? It penetrates to the core. It discerns both good and evil mm -hmm. within you. Mm -hmm. Amen? The demand, now see, the demand of God's word, he just don't give us his word without a requirement. Mm -hmm. His word demands something from us. One is obedience. Mm -hmm. The other is lining up ourselves in accordance to his word, or will, right? Mm -hmm. So it gives us, it, it makes us make a decision on whether we're going to be obedient mm -hmm. according to his will. We have to shut our will up. <laughs> in other words, because our will will get us in trouble. If your will has gotten you in trouble once or twice, <laughs> just say amen. <laughs> because your will will take you where you, where you think you want to go, but you end up in a place you shouldn't be. With people you shouldn't be around, right. doing things that you know you have no right, you have you ought to know better than to do. Right. And be sorry. And yeah, and be sorry when you get there, and you pray to God that He gets you out of it. God, if you can just get me out of this, but see, we're so hard headed, we forget about it, and we go do it again. Something different sometimes. Amen. Amen. You not only have to listen to God's word, but you have to let it shape your life. Amen. Because it's a discernment of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any, and this is why I said earlier, but I'm saying again, neither is there any creature that is not manifest or revealed in his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And another translation says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one whom we are accountable. Think about it in these terms. God created all of us. <laughs> so he knows the intricacies of everything because he created everything and because he created everything he knows all the intricacies of it which means that nothing you can try to nothing you try to hide from him can be hidden because he sees it anyway before you do it <laughs> he knows about everyone everywhere and everything about you was wide open to his all-seeing eyes. God knows all you do and all you think. Even when you are unaware of his presence, he is there. 
When you try to hide from him, he sees you. God's words is alive and it's quick. He sent his word to heal us. Amen. His living word was Jesus. His written word is the Bible. And both are used to heal us. And what? Our afflictions. Amen. Let's go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And look at verse 61. Because sometimes we look at our afflictions in a negative sense. Right. But sometimes God uses our afflictions for our good. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Psalm 11967 says this. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I went through this stuff, and afflictions are different. They're not all the same. That's because sickness is not the only affliction that God will allow us to go through. And, they, and the scripture says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Mm -hmm. That's a deep sentence if you allow it to penetrate. Mm -hmm. Before he allowed this thing to happen to you, you were already off course. Right. And because you are off course, he allowed this thing to happen to you to put you back on course. Before I was afflicted, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept your word and got back on course. Yeah. Now let's go to Psalm 34 and 17. 19, I'm sorry. Psalm 34 and 19. And this is to show you that it's more than one type of one affliction. It says this, many are the afflictions <laughs> with an S, which makes it what? Plural. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I'm talking about the believers. The righteous are believers. And how do you become righteous? You become righteous in God's sight when you receive Jesus as your Savior, which makes you righteous. So many are the afflictions of the of the righteous, or I'll put in believers. But the good news is, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Delivereth means he snatches you out. One 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 meaning of delivereth means he snatches you out. Or another one is he comes to your rescue. Each time. Amen. He keepeth all his bones and not one of them is broken. Afflictions or afflicted means to be crushed. It means to be injured. It means to grieve. It means to be miserable. Affliction or afflicted means to be depressed in your mind and in your circumstances. It means to be crushed, injured. It means to be grieve. Means to grieve. It means to be miserable. When you are going through some things, you are sometimes you are miserable. How many have been miserable? 
Hmm? Hmm? It means to be crushed. Sometimes you feel like you were being crushed. Hmm? And the and the affliction does not, as I said earlier, have to be a physical affliction. It could be you going through a whole lot of mess on your job, having a whole lot of mess going on in your family, got a whole lot of busyness that keeps you preoccupied with the mess that's going on in your life. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Why? That stuff is designed to get you to go astray. Yes. Hmm. Yes. They are not, your afflictions are not just designed to hurt you. They are given to you sometimes to help you. I'm going to show you how, I'm going to tell you how afflictions help you. Your afflictions take away the glibness or your superficial life as a believer. In other words, you could you sometimes when we are high up here, mm -hmm. we live superficially. Okay. <laughs> it's only when we get down here that we have make our uh, normal Christian life really matter. Why? I tell you why. Because it makes you more serious. <laughs> and your mindset will be more in tune with the seriousness of God's word. Sometimes when we have it all together and everything's going right, we live superficially. And we don't regard God as we should regard God. We don't cherish our relationship with God as we should cherish our relationship with God. So God has to allow something to come on us to get our minds serious on Him. And an affliction will do just that. If you got an affliction, sometimes it'll turn you quicker than a, a dime to God. Huh? You pray more, you study more, you, you cry out to God more, you seek God more, you, 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 you call on Him more. You're, you're, he has your complete attention. And sometimes for you to have a real relationship with God, He has to allow something to come on you so that your relationship with Him would not just be glib or superficial. God does not want a superficial relationship with you as a believer. That's right. Hmm? He wants a real relationship. Hmm? An affliction, well, let's, let me put it this way before I move on. There is not a single glib or superficial page in the book of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What God says matters. And it matters deeply. There's nothing superficial about God's word. There's nothing glib about God's word. Amen. What the affliction will knock the worldly prop from under your feet. <laughs> and what does that do? It makes you be more reliant on God. What is a worldly prop? Worldly prop saying is one of these things. Well, I got it made. I got a nice job. I got a nice house. I got a nice, I got food in my refrigerator. I got some decent clothes to wear. 
But sometimes that stuff will get you messed up and caught up. So the affliction comes and it will knock the worldly props from right from under you so that you can get the spiritual props under you. Before I was afflicted, right, <laughs> I went astray. COVID-19 knocked the worldly props from out from under all of them. <laughs> Amen. And when those worldly props are knocked out, it brings you more in tune with the aim of his word. What is the aim of God's word? Is that the aim of God's word is that we hope in God and that we trust him. That's the aim of God's word, is that we hope in him and that we trust him. Right. Hope beyond the scope of our human limitations. Now faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for. And it's the evidence of things, what? Not seen. Amen? Amen. And that we trust him. That we hope in him and that we trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says what? Trust in the Lord with what? And lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him and he will. Our hope is based in faith. And our trust is based in God. Amen? Romans 15, 4 says this. Whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. John 20 and 31 says this, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, believe, and, and that believing you may have life in his name. So affliction will knock the worldly props from under you. Affliction will make you search the scriptures with greater desperation for help rather than treating it as a casual occurrence. Hmm? Jeremiah 29 13 says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart sometimes for God to get us to seek him with all our hearts he has to make us desperate, <laughs> desperate for him and when you are afflicted or going through something you get desperate <laughs> especially if you had a bad report Especially when you're going through in your body and in your mind and the devil is steady whispering. When the devil whispers, that's when you start seeking God. Mm, amen? Affliction brings you into, brings us, I'm talking about us, into the partnership of Christ's sufferings so that we fellowship more closely with him and see the world more readily through his eyes. We have the wrong idea sometimes about what it means to be a believer. We believe it's supposed to be good and we never should suffer. We want to escape all the time. Hmm? We want to escape all the time. We just want to get over it. We just want to get out of it. We just want to hurry up and let this thing be. But some. Suffering relates us, brings us closer to Christ. Apostle Paul's heart cry in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 was this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings with the next, being conformed to, the, to his death. 
Knowing Jesus not only means experiencing the power of the risen Savior and Lord, but it's also sharing in his suffering. Mm. 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 So when you say you want to be like Jesus, <laughs> be careful with the mouth what you say. We have a tendency to see Jesus up on his feet all the time and, and going about healing everybody all the time and forgetting about what it cost him to be able to, to, do, to do that. And lastly, affliction puts to death the deceitful and distracting fleshly desires. It brings us into a more spiritual frame and makes us receptive to the spiritual word of God. First Peter chapter 4 and 1 says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Suffering has a great sin-killing effect. <laughs> and the more pure we are, the more clearly we see God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When you're going through it, it will cause you to line up with the word of God. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm going through, I try to be as good as I can, or right as I can be, according to what the word tells me to be. And in doing that, you know why? It lines you up with the word of God because it kills sin in your life. And you don't even know it. Huh? Pure means to be without blemish, clean, and undefiled. It describes physical clean, cleanliness, ceremonial purity, and ethical purity. Sin pollutes and defiles, but the blood of Jesus washes the stains away. What can wash away what? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me what? Again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is the flow that makes me what? White as snow. No other font I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Bottom lines are is this. Our afflictions are designed to get our attention and our focus back on God. That's for the believer. Amen. Last scripture we're going to go to is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's familiar, but it's okay. Because I don't want you to think that the Christian life or the normal Christian life is just suffering, 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 suffering all the time. Amen. Because it's not. You will, but it's not all the time. Amen. Because in your sufferings, you're still in victory. At the same time, That's right. the same time you suffering, you still suffering in victory. Yeah. I know that sounds. Can you get out? Right. <laughs> and we talked about this yesterday. He said, "Oh, I'm skinny. I can get by." Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> get me. <laughs> I can get out. Right. <laughs> Ten Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. It says this. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day or every day. For our light affliction, which is but for what? A moment, 
worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal or temporary or seasonal, but the things which are not seen are eternal or for an unlimited duration. As a believer, you should be growing spiritually younger as you are growing physically older. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you ought to be growing but spiritually younger as you're growing physically older. Why? Because you're being renewed day by day. Even though you're physically getting older, you are spiritually growing younger. What does that mean? When you are younger, you are more susceptible to be taught. Because after a certain age, it's hard to teach a child. You have to teach a child when they are preschool from, from the time they are born until about they are three. Then after they get three and four and five and more, you can't teach them then. You've got to start teaching them when they're younger so that when they get older, they won't depart from it. I think there's a scripture in the Bible that says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when they get older, they will not what? Depart from it. Hmm? See, up is not up in the kingdom. Up is down in the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. Your inward man should be renewed day by day. Paul calls our troubles a light affliction. He is not saying that the pain and suffering in this life is not unfair and it's awful. Because it is often unfair. And it is awful sometimes. Sometimes it looks like those who are doing evil are doing way better than we who are trying to do good. Seems like they have all it all together. They're going on all the trips. They're wearing all the clothes. They got the best of cars. They got all the phones. They got all this and all that. But if you can see them behind closed doors, a lot of them are sweating bullets. Because they got to make the paint. <laughs> That's a superficial life. Amen. And even though we go through, it's unfair and it's awful and we are suffering, we got a rock that we can stand on. Yeah. Hmm? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. When the input of affliction, though, is compared to the output of glory that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, the little suffering that we do on this side Pales in comparison to the glory that's going to be revealed in eternity. No more sickness, no more disease, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more taxes, no more government of the United States or any other government because the government will be on his shoulders. Hallelujah. No more racism, no more injustice, no more voter suppression, no more of that worldly stuff. Yeah. Because when it's all over, the glory of the believer will be revealed to us in such a way where we'll experience the full love and full weight of God's love. Mm. Right. 
Now, Paul is not telling us that we need to close our eyes to it, but we need to open our eyes of faith to the unseen realities that are found in the promises of God. Yeah. And guess what? God's promises last forever. Yes. <laughs> His promises don't run out in eternity. In fact, there are extensions of promises. Amen. y'all we're going to spend time in the spirit and in the word yeah. amen. amen God puts things allows things to happen to us especially as believers so that we can return back to our first love last scripture let's go to Revelation thank you Holy Spirit for pointing this one out to me right before I came out I ain't had time to study it, so I gotta try to find it. Mm. Uh, Revelation. Where is that? Something I help you out. I'm looking for first love. Revelation. <laughs> Chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. It says this. It's to Ephesus. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things said he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. But nevertheless, <laughs> you've done all that stuff. Yeah, you served at Liberty Church. Yeah, you did what you did in all your normal Christian life. Yeah, you, you called evil evil. But nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Who is the first love? Jesus. We have lost our first love. We have left our first love. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Hmm? Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and do what? Repent. Repent or turn back home. And do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou do what? Repent. This, the stuff, the afflictions that we are going through are designed to get us to turn back to God. COVID-19 
to get us to turn back to God. If the things that you are going through in your body, in your family, in your mind, in your heart, are designed to get you to return to your first love. Not run from him, but run to him. And, and, and not only run to him after it's over, run to him while you're going through it. Huh? God is telling us today, I have brought you too far for you to turn back now, I have given you my spirit and my word, and then he finishes with, that is all you need. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his spirit. Thank God that he gave Jesus as a ransom for our sins. And if you don't know him, you need to get to know him today because time is running out. And you will be spending eternity somewhere. It's either going to be in hell or it's going to be in heaven with him. There is no gray area. There is no middle points. You're going to be one place or the other. Hell is hot. Hell is real. Heaven is beautiful and heaven is sweet. Amen. But if heaven was nothing but filled with mud, as long as Jesus is there, it would be heaven for me. Amen. God in his mercy and his grace has called us to repent today and go get focused back on him. Not at what we see, but at what we believe that we don't see. Amen. So if you don't know him, Receive him today in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet.